I Am South African was born to tell South Africa stories of everyday heroes doing extraordinary things in these really extraordinary times. We've been through exceptional times as a country and in the last 26 years of democracy, we've seen a nation that no matter its challenges, knows how to rise above and help each other, even when the negatives are stacked against us. COVID-19 is no exception and has created yet another crisis as we join the world in fighting this global pandemic. I am here to tell South Africa stories, the stories of heroism, patriotism, finding the saviours among us and spotlighting those who don't wait for permission to make a change for good. Welcome to the Happiness Agenda with me, Yuveka. Every week, I'll be bringing you a story that has warmed my heart and made an impact on South Africa. Hello, friends, and thank you for joining us once again on the Happiness Agenda. You know, of late, I have managed to meet such wonderful people, people that you might not hear of every day, but people who are doing amazing, amazing things out there. And what I've learned over the past couple of weeks is you never know who's in your space. You never know who's next door. You never know who's across the road. And my guest today is somebody I met purely by chance, purely on a community WhatsApp group. This is where I learned about the wonderful, amazing Jill Stacy. Jill's daughter happens to be one of my neighbors, and she put on a group uh, something about a bingo game a couple of weeks ago, and it was a particular organization that was going to be receiving the proceeds of this uh, bingo game. And I said to her, Kimmy, I have never in my life played bingo. And I think this is for somebody, I mean, I know I'm old, but I think this is for much, much older people. And uh, she, she laughed at me and said, well, you know, it's fine. And I said, I won't play bingo, but I'm going to do a donation for you anyway. Then she started to tell me about her mum. And her mum is Jill Stacy. Let me tell you a little bit about Jill Stacy. She is involved in the field of uh providing enhancing services for people with an autism spectrum disorder. She's been doing this for about 21 years. And Jill opened the offices of Autism Essay, which you might have heard of back in 1995. And she also, was also the president of the World Autism Organization for four years. So why is she so passionate about this? What has driven her? Let's find out from Jill herself. Jill Stacy, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for making time for us. And how are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. So tell us about this passion. Tell us about this involvement with, with autism. Where does it come from? Um, my son, I have a 36-year-old son who was diagnosed um, with autism when he was young. Um, I knew something was wrong with Michael, um, but 30-odd years ago, nothing was really known about autism in this country. So I was hopping from doctors to doctors. Um, I was a nurse mm. by training. And basically, I kept being told I was a neurotic mother. So I had quite a battle. Um, he, was he was diagnosed with pervasive developmental, no, sorry. <laughs> he was diagnosed um, with speech delay and minimal brain dysfunction. Uh, he got expelled from nursery schools, playgroups. Anyway, so it was a rough run. Wow, I can and imagine. It, and, and then... And very difficult for, for people, uh, for you, of course, to have to figure out, for one, what is going on with my son? And at that point, you would ask, uh, what's wrong? Because that's probably what, what would have been the question at the time. 
um, how did how, how did you navigate this, Jill? How did you how did you finally get to the point where where you figured out what was actually going on with your son? Um, it was quite bizarre. A friend of mine bought me a book um, about a mother's struggle with a child, and uh, so I started to read this, and it was just totally Michael. And the whole book was obviously about a mother's struggle with her autistic child. So that, that's basically how I got my own diagnosis. I went back, dug out my nursing notes. Uh, mm -hmm. Then I went to the telephone directory in the good old days. And uh, I couldn't wow. find, it took me ages to find um, an association for autism in Joburg. Um, and that is really, that struggle I had um, was my motivation to not let this happen, well, try and mm. minimize the amount of parents that have to go through what I went through by enhancing services and knowledge of autism in South Africa. And, you know, and I think even up until now, Jill, there, there, there is so much we don't know. There are, there are so many parents who actually don't know where to actually turn to. But just remind us, and, and I want to come back to everything that it is that, that you do to support other parents and other families. But how old was your son when you finally figured out what was going on there? He was uh, five. So which five years of this. Yeah. Not an uncommon age for diagnosis. It should mm. be between two or three um, but it's quite common even still that children are only being diagnosed uh, closer to five. Mm. And you spoke of, you know, the struggles in those early years. You mentioned about nursery school and what was going on. And I mean, I have friends, friends, some of whom have one or even two uh, children who are on the spectrum. And it is very hard. Some, uh, you know, they, they, they've had to leave work. They've, their entire lives have changed. Entire lives revolve around their kids. What, what were those first five years like for you, Joel? Just give us an idea of, of what the struggles and the challenges were for you, your son, and your entire family. Well, how long have we got? Um, okay, I was <laughs> to go back to nursing, and obviously I didn't go back. Um, those first couple of years, like I say, people just thought I was a neurotic mother. Um, it was sadness when we joined play groups and I noticed the developmental delay or he broke something or he pushed a child and this was the stages we didn't know. I think uh, one of my hardest times was, I mean, my, my friends were very supportive. You find out who your friends are and who they aren't. Um, but the hardest part was when I think when the children he'd grown up in with the play group uh, started getting school uniforms and Michael was nowhere near the chance of school. And when they went to school on their first day, that was horrific. Mm -hmm. But anyway, and then I had Kim, my beautiful little girl, and obviously the strain on her throughout her whole childhood was phenomenal. Um, and as a parent, you do your best to yeah. try and balance the family dynamics, but uh, you can't. You can't at the end of the day. And Kim is probably Michael's biggest fan. And that's. I'm so proud of her because yes. obviously the hell she went through at times and she's still there for him. And absolutely. I mean, just from, from, you know, from interacting with her and seeing how passionate she is, especially, like I said, 
we we literally kind of although we've been living probably in the same neighborhood for I don't know how long you know meet on a on a community group and then and, and you can see her passion and even her passion for you Joe she's so full of praise for you I mean that's that in itself is such a wonderful endorsement I mean that you know to find kids who who can say wonderful things about their parents and and in adulthood many many are in therapy saying my, my parents did this to me and they messed me up like this or whatever but your daughter is completely full of praise for you you've done a great job obviously thank you so let's talk about how you've used your experience to help other families other individuals who are dealing with with autism or uh, you know with autism spectrum disorder like we said you opened you started autism essay in 1995 you you were the national director of that until 2013 you were also president of the world autism organization for four years and you're very involved with the shalom respite care center and that's where your son has been for 15 years yeah i mean shalom to unfortunately there are very few services for adults with autism i mean obviously there is a severe lack in schooling um and but equally for adults with autism and i have to be honest most uh care centers they hear the word autism and they put the phone down because they are complex difficult oh. uh, adults mm. so shalom um, they took Michael in. Wendy Mackey, who was the founder of Shalom, she knew that she was taking a risk. He obviously went on probation. Um, and it was, they kept going. They stuck by his side until he settled there. And he is so happy there. He has oh, a lot of people around him. They, well, they certainly know him. He's been there long enough. Um, so then sort of typical Jill, the minute uh, she goes somewhere, she wants to be on a committee to keep her ear to the ground and <laughs> help. So I've been on the committee since he went in at, well, I think it's actually getting close to 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, chairman has been fantastic. He was chair for sort of 30 years, I think it was. Uh, and obviously he asked me to take over last year. Um, and you, you have to do it. It's, you know, your son's in the centre. Yeah. So, Jill, what's it all about? I mean, what 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 is it that that we actually or you actually find yourself and, and those on these committees and in the organizations that you started? What is your aim? What is your goal? What are you actually out there doing for these individuals and families? I think with Autism South Africa, it was to increase knowledge amongst the general public, the educators, uh, the medical fraternity. Um, because uh, the parents were being told they were bad parents or whatever. I mean, there were so many stig totally incorrect stigmas out there. Um, so I think that was our, our biggest work, and I think still with Autism South Africa, is to enhance public knowledge and to upskill educators in all different types of schools. Because uh, you can have, obviously, there are quite a few... Um, autism-specific schools, well, not quite a few, but there are schools specifically for children with autism, um, but to prevent parents having to move, break up a family unit, we focused a lot on upskilling special needs um, staff in schools mm. in different parts of the country. We went to some weird and wonderful places um, to enhance the educational opportunities mm. The deeper rural areas or peri-urban 
Um, and I think that, to me, is, is the most important um, in this mm. country specifically. Yeah. And how are we faring, Jill? I mean, we know that, 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 you know, this comes with a lot of stigma. It comes from ignorance as well. It comes from people not wanting to, to sort of deal with this, if I had to put it harshly. How are we doing? Are we getting better here in South Africa? Are we getting better at, at recognizing, understanding, or do we still have a long way to go? Um, to be honest, I don't think we're doing badly at all. Um, I say that because I was taking Michael back to Shalom and I got pulled over for speeding. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> and Michael was getting all agitated in the car and the police officer said to me, what's wrong with him? I said, he has autism. And she knew what I meant. Oh. Uh, okay, but I mean, I was chuffed with that. I was pleased that <laughs> I knew what I was talking about. You're like, give me the ticket, I'll take it, I'll take it, it's, it's worth it. Yeah, that's, she said, look, sit here. Anyway, that's another story. So, um, and I, it is also a funny thing to say, but when I, when Michael comes home to North Riding and I take him for a walk, I find the African uh, population will greet him, smile at him, and I find they're more accommodating than other people. Um, so I think there is a shift. There isn't so much of people staring at you. Um, I don't know. I, I may be wrong. But I, I do think, I think it is more difficult when the person's an adult. Um, but I think we're doing okay. I think because we celebrate diversity here, I think it's actually helped uh, in the disability field as well. So, Jill, what do most families, you obviously interact with a lot of families, you know, they come to you for advice. What, what do they come to you as when they come to you? What are their fears? What do they want to know from you? What, what are their main concerns when they come to you uh, for, for advice and, and how to move and how to live with this? Um, I would say because I'm not directly linked with Autism South Africa um, anymore, uh, yes, I'm involved with the World Autism Organization, but parents come to me as parent to parent. Um, often you'll find the parents-in-law will blame the son or daughter-in-law uh, for mm. bringing genes into the family. Um, the pressure it puts on the marriage, the way they've lost their temper or out mm. of frustration or sleep deprivation, um, and have guilt, there's guilt, and did I cause this, and uh, how do I deal with it, with autism in my daily life, do I try to not have routine to make the child adapt, that sort of thing, and I think parent to parent, yes, an educator can give you very good advice, and a therapist, but I think a parent who hasn't slept through the nights, who's been through all the issues that that new mum is going through, I think it, it really does help. So the support out there, not just for the individual who is on the spectrum, but for the family, um, for, for, for like you say, for those parents, how much of that is there out there for them? Um, it's actually not. There, there are regional organisations and schools who do their best to create support groups, put parents together, um, have someone there who's professional, whether it's an educator or a therapist, to answer questions. Um, and I think it is also, I don't, I think it's pretty good, but I do think a lot of it is parent to parent. And obviously in the old days before the internet, 
<clears throat> parents really only had um, books and telephone calls, whereas now there's so much on the internet. I mean, obviously, you've got to be careful. Um, so I think parents get quite a lot of support globally. With the World Autism Organization, we, you know, we try to, to put people together, especially those who've got good resources and experience with other countries who have minimal resources um, and expertise. So, yeah, it is, it, there's a network out, out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're looking at one in 55 people will develop an autism, a child will develop an autism mm -hmm. spectrum disorder. Mm -hmm. and, and Jill, you know, it, it's certainly very challenging. And like I say, I have seen, I've seen those couples, I've seen those families and, and some dealing with more than one child uh, who, who you know, who, who, and they are in the situation. How did you stay positive? How did you stay positive? I mean, obviously, you were doing this in a different time as well. So much, so much has happened uh, since then. But how do you stay positive? How do you tell these these other parents who come to you to? What are the tools you actually give them to to stay positive and cope with this from day to day? Probably a glass of wine in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> For you or the child or both? Everybody have a glass oh, of wine. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, look, I mean, I had many, many dark days. Um, I, two things that I sort of noticed over the years is you go through the uh, grieving process when the diagnosis is made, the, you know, the denial, the anger, and you do go along that path. Um, and you have sort of six bad days, and one day you feel okay, and then you have another six bad days. And that does decrease it's a shock it's a massive shock to receive this diagnosis um, and I think this is why some children are diagnosed late because the doctor's a little bit nervous about um, giving that diagnosis so I just say to pet look it's 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 hard it's not easy and most people with autism have sleep um, pat patterns you know sleep pattern problems um, so often you're very tired and it does get better. So you end up over a couple of years, and I think it depends obviously on the person, you end up with six good days and one bad day. Um, I also noticed, and I did the same with my son, I talk about ages of parents. When you receive a diagnosis, you die, uh, you're in denial, you run around looking for cures. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there that offer cures. Um, there is no cure for autism. Mm. When you're desperate, you tend to turn to people who say they're going to cure your child. And I find the parents sort of fight on that line till about five. Then they start looking at the educational side. So then they have to look. There are so many different therapies out there. Which one should they go for? Again, um, you know, jumping from one to one. Um, and then I find that by the time the parent is about 11, no, not the parent, sorry. When the child is about 11, I find the parent has found their way in quite a way and comes more to peace and acceptance um, with their autistic child. I mean, you never stop hoping, you never stop fighting, but there's a sort of, and I've seen it in quite a few parents um, over the years, that's a sort of pattern, and you have to let you have to let the parent go through that, even though you think maybe they're making a mistake, or you've got to let parents take this path. And and Jill, how do how do families 
uh, you know, actually cope with all of this because I've also seen it is so demanding. It is so challenging. Like you said, with your own experience with your son and, and with your daughter, you know, you, you have so little left sometimes to give to the other child. If you, if you have other children after that or before that, or, you know, however big your family is, it takes its toll on a couple as well. How are, or how, how can the families cope? How can they, can you plan for this? Can you plan for, okay, we've got the diagnosis, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to deal with it. Or is that not the case? You just have to take every day as it comes. Wow. Uh, I think, yes, you definitely have to try and plan. You have to come together as a team. I'm talking about the parents um, at this point. Um, and if there is another child in the family, you have to do your best to take turns to make sure that that sort of, I don't like to work, use the word normal, but unaffected child um, has their own time with one of the parents. It's taken out for supper or taken to a cinema or give, taken for an ice cream without the sibling present. And at the same time, if the greater family can also come in and help the parents themselves to have time together to babysit or take the autistic child and the other child for the afternoon so the parents can have time um, together. Um, that sort of thing is very, very important because if you are focused on the child only, the parents lose communication. There is unfortunately a very high divorce rate in families um, with an autistic child mm. because the strain is phenomenal. And mm. also if you have a person who's uh, more higher functioning on the spectrum, you often get denial, and I'm afraid to say, but chiefly from the fathers, that there's nothing wrong with the child. And that's also bumpy in the beginning because often the mother accepts a diagnosis before the father. Not in every Why case. Is that though? Why is that though, Joel? I don't know if I'm speaking out of line, but I, don't, I think a man can't believe that he could have produced a child with needs. I don't know how to put it tactfully. Um, but, but it obviously is something that you've noticed as a, the perfect, as a The perfect child that you see in the movies. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, well look, yeah. I, I suppose with more education and as we learn more, and, and, and like you say, you know, they, they get older, it does become a little bit easier. But Jill, did you ever have those moments where you just, you said, I, I, I can't do this. I don't want to do this anymore. Yes. Yes, you do. You do. And uh, one of them, I lashed out <coughs> verbally at both children. And sadly, that event has stuck in Kim's mind. She understands it, but it is not my fault. And I have had guilt. Um, and I think all parents have, even parents, I think, without special needs. But yes, with special needs, you are pushed to a point that you just think, I can't. I just, I can't, but you know, you have to, so you do. Um, and that's when you really need someone to step in and let you breathe and have a good cry. Mm. Um, and that's the other thing. I mean, Michael, he is on the lower side of the spectrum, but I remember bursting into tears in front of him and he packed up laughing. And what it was, was the, the, the autistic person is very visual and to me, to him, my face went this strange shape and water started pouring out of it, which is like one of those 
to buy that you ask you expect children to laugh at um but jeepers that was hard but once i realized why he packed up laughing because my funny face was spraying out of it was better but at the time that was a bit rough <laughs> I would imagine. I mean, I would, really, and and I'm sure that there were many more things, obviously, that that you learned over the years to to recognize that the rest of us would never recognize in a million years. But how did you talk yourself out of those moments, Jill, where you felt where where you felt at your lowest and you felt that you couldn't do this? But this is your child. That's that's exactly it. This is my child. I can't uh, I can't change him. Uh, this is my life. This is my challenge. This is my child. And I love him to bits. I love the smell of Michael. I don't know why. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, you know the, that this is your child. You have to protect them. Uh, and I just, even though there were times I really was quite murderous, and <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you love this child and you just need that. You need someone behind you then. Even if it's for 10, 15 minutes, mm. the lemon I used to find that it was a bit like a Coke bottle. Um, Michael would keep pushing my buttons and, and you know, and I'd get a bit more frustrated each day and then yeah. I'd blow and lose my temper. And then I'd look into his eyes and break my heart. And then we'd start at the bottom of the Coke bottle again. Um, so I think it's when you can feel your Coke bottle getting to sort of three quarters. You just say to someone, please, I need to go and have my nails done. I need to go out for a glass of wine, something to have normal breathing time. So, Joel, just to wrap up for us, for, for, for those who, who don't have those people, for those who might find themselves alone, for maybe a single parent who is dealing with all of this or a couple, who's just had the diagnosis and don't know how to navigate this, just guide us as to where they can get proper, credible information and the prop and the right kind of support. Um, Autism South Africa, um, they have offices in Bramfontein. They have regional, well, they there are regional bodies um, around the country. So I would suggest people Google and they look for Autism South Africa. And from there, you can obviously speak to people from Autism South Africa. You can find out what um, training, what support groups, and where else there are contact numbers for support groups. But I would start at the Autism South Africa webpage. Well, Jill, thank you so much for your time. And I wish you and your family all the best. And you certainly are a wonderful example of, uh, you know, just not giving up and keep on and, and keeping on keeping on is that how they say it and yeah and I think just your strength which I can hear in your voice um, and, and through your actions as well I think you're definitely definitely such a role model and wonderful example for anybody else you know, who's not only going through this but any other struggle especially that involves a child um, you know that, that that throws everything out of whack for an entire family but you guys have really 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 done i think a sterling sterling job and continue to do so thank you so much thank you join us again next friday to find out who's on the happiness agenda till then remember a little kindness goes a long way happy friday friends